0: Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Last time on Urge to Kill.
1: Uh, I yelled for help and he said I'll shoot you and I yelled for help again and he shot me.
2: All I remember is like hearing the gun go off and like everything just started ringing. I don't remember anything during that time.
1: Yes, hi. This is Edwin Lara and I'm the guy on Interstate 5. I am going to turn myself in. Drop down to your knees.
2: Don't move. At that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is done. Like, I can go home.
3: Before we begin, a warning. This episode contains graphic information about Kaylee Sawyer's rape and murder. The suspect describes details of the crime that may be triggering or upsetting to some listeners. Discretion is advised. It's Tuesday, July 26th, two days after Kaylee Sawyer's murder. Andrea Mays is sitting in a jail cell, all alone in the Tehama County Jail in Red Bluff, California.
2: And they would come in and check on me every like once in a while and I would just be like, what's going on? Can I like call? Can I get out of here? And they're just like, no, you need to wait. And I was like, oh my gosh, wait for what? Like. What do you not understand?
3: She's been through hell the last 12 hours. She's been kidnapped and taken against her will to a different state. She watched Edwin Lara shoot a man and carjack a family. And then when he turned himself into police, she thought it was all over until police arrested her too. Detectives think she was involved in Edwin Lara's crime spree as an accomplice you realize at this moment they think you're a suspect. Then they ended up like
2: strip searching me and like completely treating me like I was the criminal and I was just like okay, like felt 100% violated after everything I had just
3: gone through. Police take her fingerprints, interrogate her, and then tell her they're going to take her photo.
2: When it got to the point of like towards the end of the day, they were like, OK, uh, we need to get your mug shot. And I was like, why? Like, I didn't do anything. And I kept trying to tell them, like,
3: what was going on. And um The mug shot shows Andrea in a peach-colored shirt with her hair in a messy bun. She has no makeup on. She doesn't look directly into the camera. Instead, she looks off to the side with an exasperated expression. This will be the photo police released to the media. It doesn't take long for the mugshot to make it into the lead story on the evening news.
0: Laura's run from the law ended. Authorities caught up with him and Andrea. Both were booked into jail. In fact, this is Andrea's mugshot.
2: His alleged crimes leading up to his arrest is something out of the movies, a shooting followed by a carjacking. And it turns out he wasn't alone. They were booked into the Tahoma County Jail, charged with attempted murder, kidnapping, carjacking, and burglary. The relationship between Edwin Lara and Andrea Mays is still
0: under investigation.
3: While she waits in her cell, detectives from Oregon arrive at the jail. They're about to set the record straight for Andrea. And they're about to come face to face for the first time with Edwin Lara. I'm Ashley Korslin, and this is Episode 5 of Urge to Kill a KGW original.
4: Yeah, the devil's gonna take me home.
3: Kaylee's mom, Julie Van Cleve, remembers the exact moment she heard the news about Edwin Lara's arrest. I do remember
2: when they said on the news early on Tuesday morning, that when they pulled him over, that there was a female in the car. I actually was like, huh it's Kaylee. You know, I didn't think that he had, you know, taken somebody else or, you know, I didn't even think that maybe he had somebody with him. So I thought, well, maybe it's Kaylee. Maybe, you know, he did hit her with a car and ran and then didn't really know what to do with her. So, you know, now she's, she's with him. So I, you know, even after... You know, they assured me that it wasn't Candy that was with them. I was
3: kind of thinking, well, are you sure? Her last glimmer of hope. Extinguished. Behind the scenes of the investigation, Detective Beckwith and a few others charter a private Cessna to fly them to California as quickly as possible. Another group of detectives drive down and they all convene at the Tehama County Jail. They immediately start working out the confusing details of Andrea's connection to the case. At the time, did you know that she was purely a victim, or was there some you know, skepticism on that?
5: It had initially been reported to us that she may be a co-conspirator, um, but it didn't take us too much time to realize um, that she had been a victim of a crime. Um, and we, we, we worked on getting her released from custody and uh, to some medical treatment and try to get her reunited with our family as soon as possible.
3: It doesn't take long for the news to spread that police are now clearing Andrea as a potential accomplice.
0: It wasn't until hours later that detectives pieced it all together. They
3: realized she was a victim.
0: Authorities dropped charges and released her.
3: Her family says they understand the confusion and don't blame the police. Andrea's family travels to California to pick her up and drive her back to Oregon. Some of her family members even do interviews with local reporters. It could have ended up very different. We're very glad, grateful that, that way it is right now.
4: She's resting now, and uh, we just ask for everybody's
1: prayers, that she can, she, she can be able to erase all that drama that she's seen, that, that moment that she went through.
3: Back at the jail, Edwin asks to speak to detectives. He wants to tell them about Kaylee. So what's the first thing that Edwin says to you?
5: Uh, the first thing Ed said to me that is that he didn't need to tell me his name because I knew who he was.
3: Here's Detective Beckwith. And your thoughts on that?
5: Uh, it was surprising to me. Um, I was uh, surprised to get an interview on him anyway, uh, just based on his knowledge of the law. Um, I would have anticipated that he would refuse to talk to investigators. Uh, but he wanted to tell us. Um, He wanted to tell us what happened to Kaylee.
3: Not only did he want to, but he talked to you for hours. Long time, yeah, long time. Detectives take Edwin into an interrogation room where they begin recording a six-hour interview. We've edited it for time, but are going to play you portions of the audio recording. Uh,
6: Just for uh, the sake of being official, today's date is the 26th of July, 2016. I have about 13, 12 hours. Um, I'm Detective James McLaughlin. Present with me is Detective Sergeant Eric Beckwith with the Redmond Police Department. Um, Edwin Laura, Edwin uh, Enoch, Laura, is that right? Okay, so I wanna let you know I'm recording the conversation um, so that you're aware of that, okay?
3: The detectives begin with reading Edwin his Miranda rights.
6: Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law? Yeah, the right to speak to an attorney
3: and his consular rights. I also have to
6: read
5: you these are your consular rights. Okay, so I'm gonna read this.
3: That's because Edwin has legal status in the U.S. but isn't a U.S. citizen. Detectives have learned he's a Honduran native who came to America as a child.
5: Um, it says that the non-U.S. citizen was being arrested or detained. You may request that we notify your consul your country's consular officers here in the United States. Okay.
3: Once they finish all the procedural stuff, they get right to their main goal. Finding Kaylee. Even though they suspect she's dead, they won't know for sure until they find her body. So at this point, nobody knows where Kaylee is. Did you know she was dead at that point?
5: We'd assumed that she had, uh, was not alive at that point, um, but we weren't sure. I know you've seen certain other interviews where people are talking about glimmers of hope, and you always you always hold on to that stuff. Um, but we we didn't know where she was.
3: Their only way of finding her is by getting Edwin to tell them. What's it like to be sitting across from him face to face?
5: Uh, it was difficult for sure. I, I could feel the pulse in my neck. Um, I was more nervous about him not telling us where Kaylee's body was than us being able to find out exactly what happened to her. Um, I, I knew that uh, if he was willing to talk to us at all, that he would um, eventually tell us the truth. But I was nervous. Uh, His initial demeanor when he entered the room, he laughs. You know, he kind of scoffs um, and he takes a deep breath and exhales like he's been waiting for us. Um, I was not expecting
3: that. Waiting and ready to talk to investigators.
5: All right, so here's the uh, thing. I just want to get through the nitty-gritty. We have not been able to find Kaylee's body. Can you please... uh, Help me find her body immediately before we start talking about anything else.
3: Edwin nods several times, then looks down at his hands, which are in handcuffs.
5: The reason why I'm asking you that is uh, I've done this a bunch of times. I want to tell you where the body is. Yeah, I do. But I want to get home
4: first. Okay.
3: He wants to get home first. Home as in Oregon. Oregon. Detectives know they need to approach the situation carefully, say the wrong thing, and Edwin might not tell them where he put Kaylee's body. So they try playing into his ego.
5: And so um, what I've determined is, and we've looked at this a bunch of times, is I don't think you're a bad guy, right? I think that things have spun completely out of control, sir. Sir, am I right?
3: Okay. Edwin nods.
5: That being said, you know from your training and your education, that we have a massive load of resources right now dedicated to one thing, and that's mm-hmm. to serve the victims' family, okay? And they need that, and they need that right now. And so I need you to remember that it doesn't matter so much about what happened, it's what you do now. Yeah. And, and you know this oh, man. I-
3: Out of nowhere, Edwin asks for a pen.
5: A pen? Yeah. wants to do a math.
3: He wants to draw them a map of where he put Kaylee's body.
1: So, before,
5: can I say the story what happened first? Yeah, as you're drawing, please, or whatever, whatever you'd like to do. So, <sighs> <sighs> let do that first. You want us to get you out of that stuff. I wait for now. Yeah. Hey, but Who ask if we can get him out of this stuff so we can?
3: Detectives call for someone to bring them a handcuff key so they can free up Edwin's hands to write. But he doesn't even hesitate. He grabs the pen and paper that Detective Beckwith set out and starts drawing.
1: So that's Highway 126. 126 Highway. Mm Mm-hmm. That's going towards Signal. Mm -hmm. Correct? Do you know that The shoots
5: river? The shoots river. Okay, are are we closer
1: to Redmond? Closer to Redmond? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so about, I'm thinking maybe... Not even ten miles. Just keep going. Okay. There's a mailbox right here.
4: Degrees eighteen seven hundred.
3: He describes a mailbox with the numbers one eight seven zero zero. The body, he says, is right across the highway from that spot.
5: This is a man he's
3: driven. Detective Beckwith gets up and immediately passes this information off to another officer who calls investigators up in Oregon. He said it's
5: directly across from the scene walks on the south side of the highway. How far off the highway? Uh, I see it's
1: right there. You'll see it right
3: away. While they wait to hear back from their colleagues, Detectives Beckwith and McLaughlin get back to questioning Edwin.
6: You're doing good, Edwin. You know what? This is not easy.
3: The next piece of the puzzle is figuring out what happened to Kaylee and why. We're going to hear what you have to
6: say we really, really want to.
3: They know, based on the evidence they have found, that Edwin's story to Isabel about hitting Kaylee with the car is a lie. But for now, they're going to let him talk and see what he admits.
5: So, what happened, man? What happened? like the straight
1: up what happened so I was putting the signs up where there was an event going on I said
3: college Edwin begins with this story he was working Saturday night it was late he was putting up signs for an event that was supposed to happen the next day on campus a bike race Cyclops. he says he was in a hurry to finish his shift so he could go home
1: and I was going to turn south on college way on the B4 lot so I was going to turn south on the do not enter area there and I didn't see her she was wearing all black so I was in a hurry so it was my fault and I wasn't expecting anybody you know at that time of night so I just turn and and I, I mean I didn't hit her that hard I just bumped her with the, the patrol car bumped mm-hmm. her with the front rack and she fell down and at first, I thought, you know, first thing I was, oh, I killed her, you know, but I didn't hit her that hard. So I got off the car, and she was really drunk. And then she looks at me, and then she started screaming. She started screaming. at yeah. you did. She did. So like panic, and I just grabbed her little told I "Told her, shut up, shut up, shut up." Did she pass out? Put her on the back of the patrol car, drove her up the B-12 lot, and then I was panicking. I didn't know what to do. She already seen me, she saw my face, (coughs) so I opened the door and that's when she came back. She started screaming again, so I
4: was telling her, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up.
1: She was just struggling to scream. So I throw her down,
4: and I hit her with a rock on the head.
3: He says that's when he grabbed a rock and hit Kaylee in the head.
1: After that, I drive her body <clears throat> behind a tree there, and
4: I hit her with another rock.
3: He grabs a second rock and hits her again.
4: Mm-hmm. And that's when I think she died because I heard her breathing. Her best
3: <sighs> Just like that. A simple accident. It wasn't supposed to happen. Kaylee had suddenly appeared in front of his car. And he didn't see her. At least that's what he says.
5: How do we get to bumping into a drunk girl stumbling through campus? Tell me how that happened. What was going
1: through your mind? So at that time, I just felt that I needed to shut her up because I didn't want to lose my job.
3: It's hard to hear Edwin in this audio recording, but he says he was worried that if he called his supervisors and told them he hit someone with his car, he would lose his job. So he did what he had to. He killed Kaylee. And still, he maintains, it was all an accident.
0: Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey.
6: Growing up here, dealing with everything that's going on now, I'm surprised this town's even standing.
3: Bardstown, Kentucky is a small town in the heart of the bluegrass state. But Bardstown, Kentucky, also has secrets: five unsolved murders over four years, rumors and theories, and still no one is behind bars. I've been hundred
1: percent to What I'm saying, you listen to what I'm saying.
3: Bardstown, a new podcast from Vault Studios. It's been you know, almost six years. There's still not a lot of answers. Detectives Beckwith and McLaughlin know they're going to have to try everything they've got to get Edwin to crack.
6: I'm, I'm thankful to you, I want to say that right away, that you hear what this man has to say and that you've got a heart inside of you. And I know, because I was in your house, I saw the Bible, I know you've thumbed through it a lot. I see that you've tithed for months consecutively.
3: It's a long shot, but McLaughlin takes a unique approach.
6: Um, I know you're, you, you have God in your heart, Okay? And that's just not a trick. That's eternal, right? You know that. But I'm not talking about this moment. I'm talking about the big picture. Okay? And so I appreciate your honesty.
3: McLaughlin is a former pastor and tries to connect with Edwin over religion.
6: I know you've served in, in the church for a while, right? Um, your dad, father in law, a pastor, right? I think you probably have your own personal place with your God in your heart, right? Part of the reason why you're being honest at this point in time, okay? I'm going to encourage you again, and uh, I think you're doing a fantastic job. Don't hold any of it back, man. You know what? What? What's a cleansing, right? What's washing your hands if you only wash one? Um, I'm having trouble with Kaylee, though, honestly, man. And I think that there's some more there, and I'm going to encourage you to be hundred percent forthright about it, somewhere about, about about, Kaylee, about the situation. You know what I mean? You had never met her at all before. Here's, here's here's the problem that I have: the fact that Edwin, you bumped her, according to your statement, bumped her with your vehicle. Your vehicle shows very little, if any, damage to it. Like it would be if it was in a car accident or had hit somebody hard enough to really do some damage, okay? You're talking about a patrol vehicle. Yeah, your patrol vehicle, yeah. So for me, how that leads to I have to shut her up and kill her to do so doesn't equal out, man, okay? I understand. Okay, so I need you... I mean, bring it to me, man. There's something it's, missing there, bro. Yeah, there I know. And and
1: actually, my wife told me the same thing when I was telling her. Yeah. It doesn't add up. But reality is... But that's what happened. Okay. I, you know, I struck her with a car, and you know, I shut her up. I drove her up the hill, and I finished her off.
3: McLaughlin won't let up. He keeps pushing. You, know, you
6: do understand from where I sit, though. Okay. Most people in most situations... Way, well, not, I'm not saying that they wouldn't believe it. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that as far as the dynamics of situations go, when you weigh the fact that I could lose my job versus I could lose everything I hold dear in life, there's no second thought, right? I mean, it's, so what if I lose my job, I move on, you go find something else, right? Did you hold that job super close to you? I mean, was that everything? No, but I, you know, What's I, your fear motivation in this thing? Is it, is it that, you know what, I was gonna, I was trying to have sex with this gal, and that's what drove me. If that's it, man, I understand that. If it's any something else that's driving the fear, it's certainly not the fear of losing a security guard job. That's not it. There's something else there, man.
1: So it wasn't that I wanted to have sex with her. That was not it. No. Um So when I was killing her, so I noticed that she was very attractive. So I'm like, she's dead got anyways.
3: Huh? So now Edwin admits to raping Kaylee, but maintains he hit her with the car on accident and then decided to rape her since she was already dead. Uh,
4: so
6: I guess to pull any punches or to not pull any punches, um, I'm still hung up on Why you would take such drastic measures if there was such a minor, minor incident that led to this. My thought is, and what I'm going to ask you straight up is this. Did you see her, think she was beautiful and want to have sex with her? And that's what led to the encounter. That's what I'm asking you,
1: straight up.
3: What Detective McLaughlin is getting at here is intent. That Edwin didn't hit Kaylee with his car accidentally. He didn't hit her at all. Instead, Edwin stopped her as she walked with the intention of raping her.
6: What I understand is an opportunity maybe to have sex or maybe to sexually assault this person without maybe you thinking that I have to murder her unless you just wanted to, you know?
1: So I thought she was a little
3: That's story number two. He thought Kaylee was a prostitute. At least that's what he tells them.
1: So, you know, I... Drove up to her, and I'm like, "Hey, you want to ride somewhere? I can take you there." So I think she kind of trusted me, because of the position. Sure. So she gets in the car, in the back seat, of course. And then I ask her, "I'm like, so you're a hooker, aren't
4: you?" She goes, "What are you talking about?" "Hey, you're a hooker." She goes, "No, I'm not." The you're gonna do me and then she starts screaming
1: okay. so the only way how i knew that she was going a hooker after reading the news reports
4: yeah so you
1: never hit her with the vehicle uh, no i picked her up
6: okay i appreciate that man
3: edwin finally admits he never hit kaylee with his car But there's something that still doesn't make sense to the detectives. If Edwin thought Kaylee was a prostitute, why did he put her into the back of the patrol car where she couldn't get out?
6: But you pushed it to a point, you know, you pushed it to a point where she did begin to scream. And I think we're missing something in there, man. You did something. Aside from just saying, hey, you a hooker? No? Ah, yeah, you are. I mean, something happened for when you put it in park or didn't drive or what have you that got her to the point where she's so freaked out.
5: screaming, kicking, yelling, trying to push the flight.
3: And why did he take her purse and her phone from her? So a couple of
5: things you need to understand, and we're finally getting to the real problem here, we really are, is you knew she was never getting out the car the moment you shut that door. Well, oh, let me finish. You need to let me finish, right? Because I know this, okay? Because you said you were hookers. hooker, she's right. like, no. Immediately you go to give me your purse and your phone. Well, I knew mean, she wasn't going to get out. She wasn't I mean, going to survive that encounter, was she? N-
1: no. It was. you can't
5: rape her and let her live, can you? And can she can't live. make a phone call if I
1: you have it. I wasn't going to rape her. Well, you can't let her live. Edwin,
6: hmm. we're missing something here, man.
1: Look, yeah, I know what you guys are thinking, and it makes perfect sense. It does. Because Why would you, know you ask? You got, why would you
6: ask for her purse? What was in your head that made you want her purse? Because, you know... Just in case she, she had a gun?
5: She had, she, she could
6: defend her. In
1: worst case,
5: she was going to use her phone to so call 911. Yeah. Call for her so, help. But
6: listen to, listen to this. According to your story, th- this is where it does not make sense. If your intent isn't already there to do some kind of harm or some kind of evil to her, some friggin' evil that's there, bro, it's there. Mm-hmm. You just got to face it down, man. You can't cower away from it. You face that damn thing down right now. If you know the only way, if you don't have intent in her head, your thought is, I've got to keep that phone away from her because she's going
1: to call from help before anything bad's even happened. You've already made a decision. Am I right or am I wrong? Tell me. So, I made the decision that time to silence her.
5: To kill her. I, Let's be real. When you say yeah, silence her, you mean kill her. Is that correct?
1: When did you make that decision? When she started screaming because she has seen my face. But
6: you already grabbed her phone. You already kept her away from making a call for help or contacting someone. So you're already preserving yourself. So I'm thinking it's before, when you ask for the purse, I think you already know in your head, I'm gonna silence her, I'm going to kill her.
3: Edwin's story about thinking Kaylee was a prostitute If you ask detectives, it's a complete lie. The truth? They believe Edwin knew he was going to kill Kaylee the moment he laid eyes on her. He never hit her with his patrol car. Instead, she took him up on a ride home, an innocent and harmless assumption. And as she screamed to get away from him, Edwin hit her over the head with a rock the size of a football then hit her again with a rock twice as big. He knew the moment he stopped her along that dark road that she would see his uniform and trust him. She never had a chance.
4: And she
5: sees you, and she thinks, a police officer, thank God.
4: Yeah.
5: And you use that power to get what you wanted. That's the bottom line.
3: Hearing Edwin talk about what he did to Kaylee is tragic, and it's incomprehensible for most of us. But the part that's always stuck with me is Edwin talking about his urge, the urge to kill. It's haunting. It's the only explanation he gives for taking a life, and it's why we chose that name for this show. In that police interrogation room, Edwin tells detectives exactly what he told the Gavimi family when he carjacked them that he's had an urge to kill for as long as he can remember.
6: But there had to be some kind of idea or clue, or let me rephrase that, was there some kind of idea or clue inside of you that grew with some rage, maybe that embraced that, maybe that believed that you were entitled to that, therefore it manifested the way it did. Anything in there that you can help me out with to help other people... Understand. Help the people around us that we report to, that we talk to, the community at large understand.
1: So, I think all throughout my life, I have struggled with somehow the urge
4: to care.
6: Where did that evil come from, Edward would...
1: Where did it come from, man?
4: I don't know. But he is
3: He tells them how he thought about murdering someone before, the uncle of an ex-girlfriend.
1: A long time, I actually thought of killing this guy, but I didn't do it because something called me back. Tell me about that.
3: He doesn't exactly say why he didn't go through with it. But he does talk about how he controlled his urges in the years after that.
1: What has helped me not develop that innocence was when I married my wife.
3: He says his wife, Isabel, helped him develop innocence.
1: It kind of dissipated because I had something to look forward to. Before that, I uh, my parents were never there for me. Family was never there for me. So when I met her, she completely changed me. She completely changed my heart. She completely changed me as a person, as a man. And she made me view life in a way, in a totally different way. But I believe that I have struggled with it, you know,
3: But that evil somehow got a hold of him. As Detective McLaughlin puts it, evil that, over time, grew like a flower in a garden, watered, cultivated and ultimately manifested into real darkness. Before Edwin's interview with detectives comes to an end.
5: I right, man, I think we gotta get those letters out, right, yeah. so let me ask these guys if you can put your right hand in in your left hand, okay, like whatever, so you can write a letter.
3: They ask him to write a letter to Kaylee's family about what really happened perhaps to give them some sense of closure.
5: As you, have, you have sent a shockwave through our community. People will, are broken up about this, and they don't even know who she was. Okay? So take, take into consideration the magnitude of this. Also, I need you to take something into consideration. As you're wearing a uniform... On patrol on a campus where people look to you for safety and security. Okay? So you got some apologies there too because somebody gave you a job trusting that you were gonna help
3: others. In my years as a reporter, I've seen a lot of police interrogations with murderers. I've read letters written to victims' families, but I've never heard something quite as powerful as what Detective McLaughlin tells Edwin before he starts writing.
6: The sound that you heard after the strike of the first rock, before you hit her with the second, it's the sound of life leaving her body. It's the sound of the life God breathed into her, leaving her, and her life being no more, going away, being done. It's the sound of everyone loving her, mourning it's the sound of her blood crying out from the friggin earth right you know this it's Cain and Abel now you know what it is you need to hear it though okay I respect you enough Edwin at this point that I I've asked you for detail and now I'm going to give you my own okay those are the cold hard facts does God still love you will he forgive you Will he bring you back into his heart? Will he? Questions you have to answer for yourself. But the truth of the matter is that her blood cries out, man, that her life is gone. It will never be replaced. The truth of the fact is this. What you mistook for a hooker was an absolute angel, was the apple of her mom and dad's eye, was the breath that they breathed, that they spent and cultivated all their life, raising and growing. And she is gone forever with your semen all over her. That's the truth, man. Okay? It's brutal. It's hard to say. It's hard to sit in here. But you got to face it before you can look your God in the eye and ask for that forgiveness and be able to receive it. That's what I, That's the heart I want to see in that letter. Not graphic depictions, but the heart of a man broken, right? That you look and you can see what you've done. And you can begin to rebuild.
5: And, uh, we're gonna give you total privacy. We going to leave that on because it's recording, okay? And then, uh, how much time do you think you need? Maybe 30 minutes. Who's the first letter you're gonna write to who? To the dad.
1: To the dad? Because, I, I don't know, I don't know if it was an email or or news. I read that he was desperate.
3: Beckwith and McLaughlin leave Edwin alone in the room for about a half an hour. The video camera is still recording. Edwin cries as he writes a letter to Jamie Sawyer, Kaylee's dad. I've always wondered if it's because he's truly sorry about what he did or if it's because he got caught. (sighs) It takes Edwin 15 minutes to write the letter, about as long as it took from the moment he saw Kaylee Sawyer walking alone to the moment she took her last breath.
6: All right. This is Detective James McLaughlin. It is now sixteen twenty-four hours. We're we'll resume the recording. Um, present with myself in the room is Redmond Police Department Detective Sergeant Eric Beckwith and Edwin Enoch Laura. Is this addressed t- to Dad?
1: Yeah. The last one is received.
6: Okay. Um, I think it would. Play pretty well on recording. If we read this out loud, it might show some of your emotion. It might show, me to read it? I would love you to read it. Thank you, sir.
1: I've been trying to ask Katie for
4: forgiveness, but I do not think her soul hears my crying because God doesn't allow the devil to talk to angels. However, I know Katie hears you, and if you find it within your heart, please ask her to forgive me. Please, I beg you. Please I know that I will spend the rest of my life asking God to forgive me, but I don't think he will. So this is directed to her dad. I'm not sure what your name is, but I know for a fact that you loved your daughter. I read something that you were desperately looking for her with that touch. The little heart I have within me. I say little heart, a little bit, because a man like me don't have a heart. Please forgive me, Spirit. Please forgive me and please ask your wife to forgive me too. I fail you, I fail my community, I fail everyone, including my family. I am really sorry, I beg you. A man like me doesn't deserve the job I had and I will never have it again. May Katie Sawyer rest in peace. Down and outside
3: Next time on Urge to Kill,
6: it tells you more about his depravity, how he chose to
5: dispose of that body.
3: Detectives find Kaylee. We advised her family not to look at the autopsy photos, they they did not. And investigators thought Edwin's confession was rock solid, but they run into big problems.
1: All I want is a lawyer, that's all I want. I want a freaking lawyer my right for being right
3: later right now Urge to Kill is a KGW and Vault Studios production please subscribe and leave us a rating or review we've got a lot more information including videos and pictures on KGW.com slash urge to kill you can also follow us on Instagram at urge to kill podcast and join the urge to kill Facebook group on KGW's Facebook page This show is written and hosted by me, Ashley Korslin. It's produced by me, Destiny Johnson, and Mila Mamitsa. It's edited by Zachary Carver and Destiny Johnson. Original artwork by Jeff Patterson and videography by Eric Patterson. Special thanks to Ellen Boynton, Andy Thomas, and KGW Management and staff. If you or a loved one are a victim of sexual assault, help is available 24-7 call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673 or you can find help at www.online.rain.org that's r a i n n
0: Hi Bardstown listeners this is Jessica Knoll If you're enjoying this show you might also like True Crime Chronicles from Vault Studios We bring you a new true crime story from across the country each week, digging into some lesser-known cases you might not have heard of. So check out True Crime Chronicles, and of course, thanks for listening to Bardstown.